Hey, 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 and welcome to another episode of Dr. Me First. It's me, your colleague in medicine, coach in life, mother of dragons, HBIC around here, Dr. Aaron Wiseman. Today, I'm going to share with you an interview I did for another podcast that I help out with. That's right. Podcasts are like tattoos. Once you get one, you can't stop. <laughs> but if you're a DO or you're interested in osteopathic medicine, you should go check out All in DO. It is a co-sponsored podcast that I did with the Indiana Osteopathic Association. And Dr. Kelsey Quinn was one of our interviewees. So I wanted to share her story specifically here on Dr. Me First. One, because it makes me giggle. She talks about how the circus is equivalent to the ER. And two, to talk a little bit about the All in DO podcast. If you yourself are a DO and you want to be interviewed for it, let me know. Or if you know a student who is contemplating what they're going to do as far as med school, let them know that being a DO is an absolutely awesome and viable option, and they can go listen to that podcast to find out more. Okay, well, before we get into our interview, here's the sponsor for this week. At healthcare, there are some smart pieces of technology that businesses cannot live without, and Deputy has become one of those essential platforms for more than 250,000 workplaces. It helps medical practices schedule their staff more efficiently to meet peaks in patient demand, and it makes it easy to adjust schedules when the unexpected happens, like staff call out sick. You can use Deputy on any device on the go. Within a few minutes of picking it up, you'll see why hundreds of glowing reviews are coming from managers and staff alike. To find out more and to try Deputy for free, go to drpodcastnetwork.com backslash deputy, D-E-P-U-T-Y. Welcome to All in DO, Dr. Kelsey Quinn. It is so great to have you here with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, tell the people out in podcasting world a little bit about yourself. Um, well, I guess from the DO perspective, I went to Purdue for undergrad and then I went to Marion in Indianapolis for medical school. I decided early on that I wanted to do emergency medicine when I was a scribe. I am currently in my intern year at Brandview over in Dayton, Ohio, completing uh, emergency medicine residency. I love it. Boiler up. When you said that, I was super excited because I'm down here in the shadow of Big Red in Southern Indiana. So we got to cheer our boiler makers on. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, tell us a little bit too, kind of outside of the professional spectrum of how you were in the circus. Yeah. So I grew up in Peru, Indiana, which is known as the circus city capital of the world. When all the circuses used to travel by train, they would winter in Peru, Indiana. We have lots of old circus barns. And we have two active circuses. One is Circus Hall of Fame. Um, the Wallendas people, you know, that walk across the Grand Canyon, they're more associated with that circus, but they also have a lot of other performers as well. And then my circus is the Peru Amateur Circus. And we have the last annual circus parade in the nation. And we are actually for amateurs, so up until the age of 21, and it is a volunteer-driven show. I started, you start performing at the age of seven. Before the age of seven, you can be a kitty clown, which I did for two years, and then you go until, you know, you graduate and move out of town, which is what I did, or up until the age of 21, and I still go back and help with the rigging, which is setting up and tearing down between the different acts, but it is a full-fledged three-ring circus, and we have our own permanent big top, and 
it does a lot of great for the kids in the community and teaches you a lot of skills that, I mean, honestly will take you anywhere in the world, but particularly for emergency medicine were incredibly helpful. When we were getting ready for this interview, you mentioned about the similarities between medicine and the circus. And I was like, oh, I cannot wait to hear about that. So share a few about how your three ring circus shows up in your emergency room. Absolutely. So, I mean, you just walk into an emergency room and it looks like a three ring circus. There are things to look at everywhere. Over here, you have somebody coding. Over here, you have somebody that needs an education. Over here, you have a trauma getting ready, coming in, needing intubated. So there's always somewhere to look, always something to do. And you're always trying to prioritize what needs to be done first, which is very similar for a circus act. And more so than that, You have to learn how to really trust and communicate with your peers and your colleagues. And circus, you know, if you're not using closed loop communication, somebody might not catch a hand or a limb and somebody might fall down and seriously injure themselves or get killed. And the emergency department, it's the same thing. If you're not working with your colleagues, trusting each other that they know their roles and using that closed loop communication to make sure that everybody knows their role and what they're doing and where they're going, somebody may get seriously injured or killed. Beyond that, though, it's it's a sense of camaraderie that you build with your colleagues and your peers that you're working in these environments with. Because everybody knows when you go through these stressful or these important situations, or even, you know, if you travel abroad and you're relying on each other so codependently, you build these bonds very quickly. And so, You're in an environment that, yes, you have a job, you have a show that you need to perform. And no matter what happens, you know, you may have a devastating failure or, you know, a bad patient outcome in one room. You have to smile and wipe it off and go to the next because the show must go on. So it's all of these aspects kind of wrapped up in one. And not to say that life is, you know, a circus show, but in some aspects, isn't everything kind of just a circus show and you're trying to make the best of it and trying to bring the magic and the smiles out while at the same time making sure that people are getting through and living their best possible life. And, you know, that's also kind of pulls into the DO and why I wanted to be a DO versus an MD with that holistic approach to life and medicine in general. Yeah. Give me a little bit more on why you chose DO. I remember I saw a billboard at Purdue and they were talking about opening Marion and that it was an osteopathic medical school versus an allopathic medical school. And I remember being so intrigued. And I went and I researched it and I was reading about the differences and learning about OMP in particular, which is, I think, what most people use to differentiate DOs versus MDs. And I remember being so excited and calling my father, who is an MD, saying, I found it. I'm going to be a DO. This is it. And, you know, I just can't believe that other people wouldn't pursue this route. Because when you look at it, you're never going to learn everything you absolutely need to know. It's just not possible. And that's why we've broken down into specialties. But at the end of the day, you still want to know as much as you can for your patients, but you can do the best job for them. And I just didn't understand if we knew that there was this whole toolbox of OMT that we could use to treat our patients, particularly in the middle of a pain crisis and opioid epidemic throughout our country, why you wouldn't try to learn it. So that was, I mean, my big springboard. But then I think you also just look again, it's the whole picture and you're looking at the person as a human being rather than as a disease or a problem that needs to be fixed. And I think that when you do that, you're able to relate to your patients in a different way that even if you do the same test for them, you come up with the same results, it comes across differently and they recognize that and they feel seen and it makes a difference in their care and their treatment plan. Yeah. I love that you say that 
Yeah, Dio's, we are more than just bone popping. So what does it mean to practice now osteopathically for you? For me, like I said, you know, we're, we're it's an interesting time to come out as medical school and be introduced to the world in the middle of the opioid crisis. We're in the middle of COVID, a pandemic. We're in the middle of, you know, lots of disparities throughout healthcare system as well as society and, you know, just the way that people are feeling and responding and feeling like they aren't seen or they aren't heard. And so there's a lot of things that you have to take into mind when you walk into a room. And especially in emergency medicine, you have 30 seconds to make that connection with that patient to try to figure out what's going on to determine if they're sick or not sick. So, you know, going as an osteopath, I don't just walk in there and say, what are their vitals? Do they have a fever? Okay, sick or not sick. I'm walking in and I'm saying, this person looks sad. This person looks anxious. What are they wearing? Where are they coming from? What life experiences may they have had leading up to this moment? And how do I need to talk to them so they don't feel like I'm looking down at them or talking down at them? How can I best connect with them so that we both come out with the best possible outcome from this, you know, this meeting? I don't want to just be the person that gives them paperwork and says, it's strep throat, take your antibiotics, you know, follow up with your family doctor in two weeks. I want to be that person that says, I know that you're scared. I know that, you know, where you came from, nobody understood what this was. And you thought it might be a flesh eating bacteria or, you know, some other rumor that you were, you know, was passing around the daycare. And I can be that person that says, no, actually, you know, here's what it is. I understand why you think that you're not dumb. You're not wrong. You just didn't have the education. And I want to be the one to provide you the resources for that education. And furthermore, here's some things that you can do at home for comfort Here's something that you can do in the future because, you know, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. So here's things we can do in the future to help with your health and where to go next. And I think that sometimes, you know, particularly in emergency medicine, we're rushed and we're worried about numbers and you don't always get that chance to make that connection. But when you come from osteopathic training, that's always at the forefront of your mind. You make the most of those 30 seconds to 90 seconds that you get to make that connection. And sometimes that makes all the difference for the patient. Absolutely. What's one thing you think you could tell our listeners, be it that there are other physicians or maybe students, fellows, residents that are listening to us to give them a bit of encouragement today? Oh, gosh. Well, I think the biggest thing is know yourself because there's going to be people that are telling you it's too much slow down. It's not enough push harder. You know, there's more to be done, not enough being done. Whatever you're doing, you're doing it wrong. At the end of the day, you have to know yourself and you need to know what you got into this profession for, why you're doing this, and what you need, not only as a healer, but as a person. So you know that you know you got into medicine because you wanted to help people, you wanted to make a difference, you wanted to be the change in the world. All of those things are still true. And you know, I tell people all the time, I I love this country. I believe that this world is a big, beautiful place that we can do good things in. It just sometimes it looks a little different and it's a little bit harder. But we have everything we need to make the world a better place here. We just have to look for it and we have to believe in it. So on those days where it's really hard, people are being rude, and your patients are crabby, and the consultants don't want to talk to you, and everything just seems to be going wrong, you have to remember not about what people deserve. It's about what you believe in and you have to follow your beliefs and your morals. And at the end of the day, do what you know to be the next right thing. Take those steps and one step by one step, you'll keep going in the right direction. And someday you'll turn around 
and you've made it over the mountain and you'll feel so much better for it. And again, it's just small steps. Just do the next right thing. And then at the end of the day, you'll see how much farther you've come, even on those days where you're screaming and pulling your hair out. Well, Dr. Quinn, thank you so much for taking time to sit down with us to talk about everything DO. We wish you luck in your training. And I'm just so delighted to call you colleague and friend. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you letting me be here. And it's honestly an honor to get to speak with you. Hey, are you tired of going at it alone? Well, friend, you don't have to anymore. Come sit with me. I want you to know that it's okay if you need to take a break. It's okay if you need to talk about some real crappy things. It's okay. You're not the first to feel like this, and you don't have to stick it out and be miserable. There is a way out, and there's a whole movement of fierce females in your corner. If you want to come sit with me and be in my community, you will not see me in Facebook groups. I freaking hate Facebook with a deep and fiery passion. (laughs) But what you can do is come over to Aaron Wiseman's Badass Collective on Slack. Because guess what? Once a badass, always a badass. And this isn't anything that's paid. It's not anything that I'm like throwing huge promos at you. It is simply a community where I am trying to get people together in the same space so that we can have these kind of conversations safely and in a protected manner that you feel so loved on. It's the whole purpose. So click in the show notes, get over to the Slack group. We do have some community rules. But, you know, that's just how it goes. But I would love to see you in there. I am in there almost every single day having real conversations, posting crazy pictures of my kids and gifts, all that good stuff. And I want you in there, too. So come on over. Come sit with me. Hey, super great show today. And before we end, a quick reminder about our sponsor. If you want to boost efficiency across your practice and make staff scheduling easier, try the Deputy app. You can try this smart technology for free by going to drpodcastnetwork.com backslash deputy. That's drpodcastnetwork.com backslash deputy. Thanks so much, Dr. Kelsey Quinn, for coming on the podcast. I so greatly appreciate you for sharing. And I want to let you know that I'm thinking about you in this time of the disease that shall not be named. I know it can't be easy to be a resident and a fellow, a learner right now in this system because it's definitely not easy being a grown-up doctor. And so my heart goes out to all of our learners, our residents, our medical students, our fellows right now. Just let you know that we got your back. We know it's hard, but we know you're doing an absolutely great job. And for all the rest of you, remember, your life, your calling, your pulse matters.